of modesty to the extent where she didn't smile for six months after the Prophet passed away. And then when Asma bint Umais, she called her. She said, I want, I've seen the way women are buried and I've seen that some of their body is exposed when they're wrapping their body. So she said, I want you to take care of my shrouding. So Asma bint Umais, she said, in in Abyssinia, when I was there, this is the way I saw them shroud, and they did extra covering over their women. When the Fatima saw that, when she showed her, she took a stick and she broke it. And she demonstrated to Fatima, she said, then she smiled. Then she smiled, she said, that's the only smile that she had the, the, the last six months of her life was she was happy at the arrangements of her funeral that she knew her body would not be exposed. This, these are the type of, of women and men that the Prophet ﷺ produced, you see. We can build mountains, or uh, not mountains, we can build buildings and cars and make all these nice structures, but the job of prophets is to build people. That's, that's what prophets do. And that's a very difficult job. But these are his successful class of 01, Medina, right here. And so Fatima, she was only looking to meet her father. Now, another false narrative is that Umar came after the prophet, the prophet died, he beat up Fatima, he broke her ribs, and he burned her house down, and they were beating up Ali. All that stuff is cap. That's stuff that the Shia say. There's not even authentic sources, even from their books, about this. But they still believe it out of hatred towards the best of this ummah. So if you hate the best of this ummah, then you are definitely the worst of mankind, for sure. And so Fatima, she passed away a natural death. There was no, my rib was broken and I lived six months of the pain. That's not true. That's not true. And even all their uh, fake hadiths, they contradict themselves. And anyone who says that, that Umar did that to Fatima, may Allah send curses on them Amen. until they die Amen. and give them a, a terrible death. Amen. I don't know how anyone can even believe this. Now, sure, there are Misakim from amongst them, and we ask Allah to guide them. Amen. But there are those that are malicious in their intent, and they know none of this stuff is true, but they still hold it to themselves. Then we say, Allah yanaf, may Allah curse those individuals. Um, the Prophet Sallallahu then he said to her after he mentioned those things to uh, Fatima he said to her he said your father will not suffer after today he said don't be sad your father will not suffer after today then the Prophet asked for Al-Hasan and Hussein and Hassan and Hussein were very young. They were about six and seven when the Prophet saw seven passed away. They were very young. He called them and then he kissed them and then he recommended that they be looked after. Then he called for his wives and he spoke to them and he reminded them about Allah. The pain of his sickness grew so strong. Now, this is where the Prophet says, I feel, I still feel the painful effect of the food. I tasted a khaybar. You guys remember Abdul Khaybar? That Jewish woman. Oh, she poisoned that meat 
he says, I still feel that pain. And this is where he starts to reminisce on that whole situation. So the prophet said him, one of the things that affected his illness even more was that poison. Because although he didn't eat the meat, he tasted some of that poison. Mm -hmm. And that was inside of him mm -hmm. until now. The prophet said him, So he ordered that the people, they perform their prayers and be attentive to the slaves. And he kept repeating this. One of the things he mentioned is to be good to the slaves and to pray your prayers. So Salah was on the top of the list of his priority. Salah When the pangs of death started, Aisha, she leant against her or she leaned against him. Or leaned him against her. When the Prophet was dying, he was on the bed of Aisha. And his chest, his, his head was on her chest the whole time. And this is the way she kept him until he passed away. So she said, Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Bakr walked in, the son of Abu Bakr. And he had a miswak in his mouth. And he was using his mouth, he was using this to brush his teeth. And so the Prophet saw this and he kept looking at it. So then she saw, she looked at the Prophet looking at his miswak. She said, do you want miswak? And he just nodded his head like that. And so then she took the miswak of Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr. Or Afwa, she didn't take his miswak. She gave the Prophet his own miswak that he used to use. But then she softened it with her her saliva. Then she put it in his mouth and he used it. These are the last moments of Rasulullah. And the Prophet Aisha, she says, my saliva was mixed with his saliva in the last moments of his life. And this is something that she was proud of, as she should be. She was the favored wife of the Prophet And so, There was a water pot. Uh, there was a water pot that was next to him. So he asked for it. And he took the water and he wet his hands. And so he washed his face. He washed his face with it. So water. So. And he lifted his finger up to the ceiling and he said Allahumma rafiq al-a'la And he repeated this three times He said With those, with those whom you've graced 
those who favor from the prophets, from the Siddiqeen, the truthful ones, and the Shuhada, and the martyrs, and the Salihin, and the righteous ones. Allahumma fidni, oh Allah forgive me. Allah help me, and have mercy upon me. Allahumma rafiq al-a'la. He says, oh Allah, the companion of the Most High, I choose the companion of the Most High. I choose the companion of the Most High. Abbas and Ali, they walked into his house before the situation. And so they visited the Prophet And Abbas asked Ali when he came out, he said, how did you find Rasulullah? And Ali, A lot of the Sahaba were in denial about what was happening. So he said, uh, he's looking good, inshallah. He's going to get better. And the Abbas said, no, I have seen the death on the face of the children of Abdul Muttalib, and I have seen it on the face of Rasulullah. Then he said, in three days' time, you will be a servant that is ruled by a state, meaning you won't have any uh, authority. And so, after this moment, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said, as he was having his finger up like this, it dropped. With this, she said, his body exploded with fragrance. Then she screamed, she said, Mata Rasulullah. She says, the Prophet passed away. And then Umar came in. And then he saw the condition of the Prophet And then there was another companion with him who said, uh, the Umar said, the Prophet did not pass away. He is in the same condition that Musa was, that he will return. And he is only in the state of unconsciousness. He is not dead. And then the other Sahabi said to him, he says, no, but the Prophet has passed away. He said, you are a man of fitna. And you want to create fitna here. He said, Wallahi, if you mention this again, I will strike your neck. Then he went out to the people because Aisha screamed already. And she said, and he, he mentioned to all of them. He said, the prophet has not passed away. He has went up with his Lord and he's getting some revelation. It's like a Moses. He said, whoever says that the prophet passed away, I will kill them. So he was brandishing his sword Anas, Anas said, I have never witnessed a day better or brighter on the day when the Prophet came to us. I have never witnessed a more awful or darker day than the one in which the Prophet died. And so Abu Bakr he already left. He took permission before the Prophet passed away so he can go to his family in Sunnah. Sunnah was the location of his family so he could attend to their needs and the Prophet gave him permission. And by the time the Prophet uh, Abu Bakr came back, he came off his horse and he entered the masjid. He went to the 
he went to the Hujra of Aisha and with complete composure, but tears rolling down his face. He saw the Prophet's face was covered with uh, a mamba. It was a cloth. And so he, uh, uh, he opened, he removed the cloth and he kissed him on the forehead. And he said, you were pure in your life like you are in your death. I sacrificed my father and my mother for your sake. Allah will not cause you to die twice. You have just experienced death that, the, that Allah has ordained. So he came out and he saw Umar brandishing his swords. He said, Umar, sit down. And Umar would not listen to him. So he went on the member and he called the people. And so people started to gravitate. He says, Ya Yunas, O people. He says, Come to me. Then he mentions to them, to them the famous uh, statement of Abu Bakr. He says, Amma ba'du. He, after praising Allah, he says, Ma kana minkum ya'budu Muhammadan. فَإِنَّ مُحَمَّدًا قَدْ Whoever worshipped Allah, then Allah, He is forever living and He doesn't die. Then He mentioned the verses, وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٍ قَدْ خَلَتْ مِنْ قَبْلِهِ الرُّسُلِ he said, Muhammad is no more than a messenger. And indeed, many messengers have passed away before him. If he dies or is killed, will you then turn back on your heels? And who turns back on his heels will not will not harm Allah in the least, and Allah will give reward to those that are grateful. When he mentioned these words, then Umar he, he said, it was as if I heard these words for the first time. It's like the first time of me hearing it. And then he collapsed and he, he broke down. Abdullah ibn Abdi Rabbi. He was one of the Sahaba. He said, Allahumma khud basari hatta la ara ahad ba'da Rasulullah. He said, oh Allah, remove my eyesight. He said, remove my eyesight. He said, I don't want to see anyone else after the Prophet The narrations mentioned he became blind on the spot. Ali, Ali had, he could not move. Ali ibn Abi Talib, he's frozen. Uthman ibn Affan, he passed out. Ibn Abbasin said, by Allah, it was as if people never heard these verses that Abu Bakr had reminded. Ibn Musayyib said that Umar, and Umar said, by Allah, as soon as I heard Abu Bakr say, I fell down to the ground. 
and the burial of the preparations. Now the Prophet Sallallahu passed away. We're not going to get into the, the discussion that happened in Bani Sa'ada. Bani Sa'ida with the Sahaba when they elected Abu Bakr. But the Prophet he was being taken care of by his family. Ali ibn Abi Talib and some of the other uh, members of his family. Al-Abbas, they began to um, take care of his shrouding. There was confusion on whether they should take his clothes off. And so some of the narrations mentioned that a huge sleep fell over them. And when they all slept, one of them had a dream. And the angel said to them, wash over his body. Don't take his clothes off. Wash over his clothing. And so when they woke up, they mentioned, one of them mentioned the dream, and the other said they saw the same. So they didn't take his clothes off. They washed over it. And... Al-Abbas Al-Fadl, they removed his body to the side and they washed him and they leaned him against his chest. The Prophet body was washed three times with water and berry leaves. The water came from Gharas. It was Sa'id ibn Khaytham as well in Quba, in Quba, which the Prophet used to drink for. They shrouded him in three Yemeni cotton sheets with neither a turban or a shirt. There was another disagreement and the, the people were saying, where should we bury the Prophet So then Abu Bakr, he said, I heard Allah's messenger say that a prophet is buried wherever he dies. So Abu Talha lifted the bed in which he, was, he died and dug underneath it and cut in the ground for the grave, a lahb. Lahb is a place where if the grave goes down, lahb is a side uh, entrance that you put the body in. That's how the body is supposed to be buried. If you go to Burnsville today, the people are just placed right down. And I guess it's some legal issues that are behind it. But the way a Muslim uh, proper uh, grave is supposed to look is that you dig down and then you uh, uh, open uh, the, the side of the grave. So you dig into the side of the grave and you put the body in there. It's called a lahab with a dog. And so the people, they entered into the Prophet's uh, room by tens. There was no Imam to lead over him because no Imam can lead the Imam. And the first to pray. The first to pray on him were the people of his tribe and his close family, Bani Hashim, then the Ansar, or then the uh, Muhajirin, and Quraysh, then the Ansar, then the women, they prayed for him after the men. Then the young were to pray over the last to give their salams. This process, this process lasted all day Tuesday because he died on a Monday, and most of uh, Wednesday until the night came. Aisha, Aisha, she said. 
she said, we did not know that the Prophet was being buried until we heard the sound of the tools digging into the ground. They used to look at his body and they used to look, take from it some comfort. They said, at least his body is here. And so when they started to dig, the women, they began to cry a lot because then they realized that the Prophet was going to go into the ground and Fatima, Fatima, she was very, very emotional at this moment. When he passed away, she said lines of poetry. Ya abatah, ajaba rabban da'a. Ya abatah, min jannatul firdaus ma'wah. Ya abatah, ila jibreel nanna'a. She said, oh father, you have responded to the to the uh, call of your Lord. Oh Father, your abode is Jannah to the dose. Oh Father, we convey this news to Jibreel. Then she said, when Anas was burying the Prophet, she says, Athabat nafsukum, Athabat anfusukum, an tattakhid or an tahtu ala Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam at-turab. She says, how did you find the strength inside of you to put dirt on the Prophet She said, how did you find strength to, to put dirt over the Prophet Anas ibn Malik, he couldn't even answer this question. And so much of the Sahaba, they were in complete shock in this moment. I mentioned the wife, Maymuna, and some of the wives of Prophet he told them, he said, the, which of you, the wives, meaning, will join me the first, will, after my death, will be the one that has the longest hand. And so they began to measure each other's hands. And they saw that Umm Salama's hand was the longest. And then later on, it wasn't Umm Salama who passed away first. The first wife to pass away was Sauda. And then they realized why she was the one that had the longest hand because the meaning that the Prophet uh, meant was the one that was most generous of you. And what Soda used to do was she used to give her time that she would be with the Prophet and she would give it to Aisha because he knew that she he loved her a lot. So she gave up the time that she was supposed to spend with the Prophet Muhammad in order to please Rasulullah even more. So she passed away. Six months later, Fatima passed away. Um, Then you have Bilal ibn Rabah. Bilal ibn Rabah was in such calamity. He said, Wahuzna, after the Prophet Sallallahu passed away. There is a narration, and we're going to speak about that soon. Abu Bakr, when he became the Khalifa, Bilal asked to leave. He said, Abu Bakr, I can't stay in the city anymore. Immediately after the Prophet Sallallahu died, and the and the Salah time came, Bilal ibn Rabah. What he used to do was what he used to make the Adham. The Prophet used to walk out of his. The Prophet used to walk out of his house. What he said, Ashadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Bilal said, He said, When I got to that part, I couldn't even say it. And I didn't see Rasulullah come out of his door. 
Abu Bakr finished the adhan for him. Bilal said to the Prophet, he said to Abu Bakr, he said, I can't stay in the city anymore. Allow me to leave. And then he said, Bilal, I need you. Don't go. So Bilal said, if you kept, if you freed me from slavery to be your slave, then keep me here. But if you freed me to be the slave of Allah, then let me go. So Abu Bakr let him go and he went to Syria. But he was there for some time. There's a narration that's not authentic that Bilal had a dream that the Prophet came to him and said, why don't you visit us? But Bilal, after months or years after, he couldn't give Adan. He stopped making Adan because the Prophet saw his son passed away. And he was considered the Mu'addin of Rasulullah. So he went to, when they opened up in the Khilaf of Umar, Bayt al-Maqdis. Bilal went to uh, Bayt al-Maqdis. All of the Sahaba were there, the ones that the, the, the Ansar and the Muhajireen who took their shahada in the beginning. They were there, all of them. Their beards were black. They were all white now. Their beards were black when they became Muslims. They were all white. Their beards were all white now. And so they saw, Umar saw uh, Bilal, and it was time for Salah. Because Umar, he cleaned the bait, he cleaned Masjid Al-Aqsa with his broom. He cleaned out the whole Masjid and he prayed two rak'at. When the time came, he said, Oh Bilal, please read. He said, recite the Adhan for us. Adhan lana. And then Bilal, he said, I can't, it's too painful. Then some of the Sahaba came and they spoke to him and they said, please. And so when he gave the Adhan, the narrations mentioned all of the Sahaba, their, their beards, their beards were wet with tears because they remembered those days of the Prophet And then Umar, he couldn't even stand up. He fell down and then they had to console him. Then when the Bilal ibn Rabah, he came back to Medina, he went and he saw the grandsons of Rasulullah, they're older now. And so they see him and they say, Bilal, and they gave him greetings, they gave him salams. And then the time of Salah came and they said, Ya Bilal. <laughs> and the Prophet used to say that to, that to Bilal. He would say, Arihna biha ya Bilal. He would say, bring us comfort. Bring us comfort through your adhan for the prayer. Arihna biha ya Bilal. And then they said, Ya Bilal lana. And so he said, how can I refuse the grandsons of the Prophet So he went on the place where he used to stand. And he started to make that. Everyone came out of their homes crying because it reminded them after 20 years, they still remember that Adam was the Adam of the Prophet That was the Adam that the Prophet used to lead them into prayer. So they all began to cry. And some of them said that the Prophet came back. And this is how, how much connected they were. This is a lot. And so when Bilal was passing away, he said to his wife, or his wife, when he was passing away, she said to him the same thing he said to the Prophet. 
He said about the Prophet after the Prophet died. He said, Wa husna. Then she said to his death, when he was dying, she said, Wa husna. Wa husna. Wa is like ya, but like a deeper, like sorrow. Like ya means, oh, it's hard for me that. But wa is like, like when you're in extremely sad and like something like regretful is happening. And so you're in distress. So she said, Wa husna. She said, oh, what grief. And then he said to her, he said, don't say that. He said, say, wa falaha. Say, wa hafiyat. He said, gadan sa'alqi Muhammad. Wa ashaba. He said, tomorrow I will meet the Prophet and I will meet the Sahaba. He said, Muhammad He said, Tomorrow I will meet Rasulullah and I will meet the Sahaba. And he passed away. Bilal ibn Rabah gave Adan in the three of the most holiest sites and the most beloved sites to Allah as in the Prophet's masjid in the, on the Kaaba in the Masjid al Haram and then also Masjid al Aqsa. And this is here, last last one I'll mention, and there's many more to mention, but Abu Ayyub al-Ansari. Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, when the Prophet ﷺ came, and he was the closest relative to the Prophet in Medina. Very distant, but he was close. And so Abu Ayyub, he took the Prophet into his home. And we know the story about Abu Ayyub, he wanted the Prophet to stay upstairs first because uh, you know, or stay on the bottom floor because he has four, his house had two floors. So then, when he was on the top floor and he would go to sleep, he would think, like, this is the floor I'm walking on. The Prophet's head is underneath. And he said, Ya Rasulullah, I can't stay up here anymore. You go up there. And then Abu Ayyub al Ansari, that what he did for him, how he took the Prophet in and he gave him his whole house to be really his house. Later on, Abu Ayyub, he went to Iraq because he was going through financial distress. And this is how the Sahaba, they looked out for each other because of, on the strength of the sacrifice that they had for the Prophet But this is, we're talking about 20 years past, over 20 years. So, Ibn Abbas, Abdullah ibn Abbas at that time is wealthy. So Abu Ayyub al-Ansari, he goes to him and he says, Ibn Abbas, he says, today I will do what you did on that day. So he emptied his house and he said, this is your house now. Abdullah ibn Abbas had a big house in, in, in Iraq. And he said, this is your house. And then he gave him a whole pile of money. And he said, I will do what you did on that day. And so he honored him and he welcomed him in that way. And this is the Prophet completed the seerah of the Prophet And what this should do for you is this should give you a better comprehension of who the Messenger of Allah is. And then this should even make you want to follow him more. If you know about who he is and you don't follow him, then you will be like those people. Uh, or 
يا يا ليتني لم اتخذ يا ليتني اتخذت مع رسول سبيلا يا ويلتا ليتني لم اتخذ فلانا خليلا those people that will say on the day of judgment they will bite their hands the evil doers that's what Allah calls them and they will say I wished I followed the path I took the path of the messenger don't wait till you get to that day put in the work here now you have more than ample reason you can't say I don't know who the prophet is you know at least some so if you don't follow him, it's worse for you than someone who has no idea. Because now the hujjah is upon you. The hujjah is alaykum. You know who he is. You can't say, I didn't know who he was. And one of the benefits also this will help you with is in the grave. When Allah asks you about them, asks you about the Prophet, you can say, you know who he is, and you will be uh, counted as someone who will say, inshallah, who will say that, he is the one that was sent to us, Muhammad, Nabina, our Prophet. And no one will be able to say that except those that Allah has mercy upon them. You understand? So let's end with dua and then we will uh, go to, I'll take QA after. And then I think we have food coming. So inshallah, um, this is tradition. To, to, to end the kutub or the kutub that you learn. Allahumma lakal hamdu hamdu kathiru tayyibu mubarakan fiyyuk. Allahumma hamdu kathiru Allahumma lakal hamdu la nafsifna alayk. Amen. Anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Amen. Anta al-muqaddim wa anta al-muqaddim. Amen. Anta al-awwal wa anta al-akhir. Amen. Anta al-wahir wa anta al-batim. Amen. Anta ala kulli shayin qadir. Amen. Allahumma salli ala muhammadin wa ala ala muhammadin. Amen. Kama sallayta ala ibrahim wa ala ala ibrahim. Amen. Mubarak ala muhammadin wa ala ala muhammadin. Kama barakta ala ibrahim wa ala ala ibrahim. العالمين إنك حميد مجيد اللهم إنا نسألك زيادة في الدين وبركة في العمر وصحة في الجسد وسعة في الرزق اللهم نسألك قبل الموت توبة وعند الموت شهادة وبعد الموت جنات وحريرة ونعيما وملكا كبيرا اللهم نسألك عفوا عند الحساب وأمالا من العذاب ونصيبا من الجنة وبدلة نضج إلى وجهك الكريم ومرافقة نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم الجنان اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم أحينا مسلمين وأعزنا مسلمين وبعثنا مسلمين وبخلنا الجنة مع المسلمين يا رب العالمين اللهم انصرنا والإخواننا في كل مكان اللهم انصرهم في الشام وفي اليمن وفي العراق وفي البرما وفي الصين اللهم انصرنا إخواننا في كل مكان اللهم انصرنا اللهم انصرنا اخواننا اللهم انصرنا والاخواننا والمستضعفين في كل مكان اللهم ارزقنا حبا حبا لرسولك اللهم ارزقنا حبا لرسولك اللهم ارزقنا حبك وحب من يحبك وحبا عملا وحب عملا يقلبنا الى حبك يا رب العالمين يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم صل وسلم بجمالك على أفضل مخلوقاتك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم في أعلى الجنان اللهم اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث 
حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل نعم المولى ونعم النصير وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وسلم. And so before just maybe five minutes, uh, they're going to take some time to pray. We'll take Q and A's about any of the uh, events that happen at the end. Inshallah. Make your claim be made. So I think here's my honor to take it from me. And so one of the Sahaba, one of the Sahaba, who um, they actually did. There's all of these narrations are. There's some problems with it about the man who who actually got up and said, Ya Rasulullah, you hit me and I want to hit you back. So he mentioned on the day of Badr, you were fixing the lines and you hit me in the stomach with your stick. And it was a little bit hard and it hurt me. And so he said, I want to take my recompense back. So the Sahaba were very upset when they heard this because they said, like, how could you even ask such a thing? And so um, they said, uh, hit me. Abu Bakr got up and he said, I will repay the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi here. He said, I will, I will repay your irth on behalf of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi So the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi told them all to sit down. And this is leadership, is that they actually um, hold themselves accountable. So he opened his stomach. He said, here's a stick, hit me. And so the man came, and then he came towards his stomach, and then he opened it and he kissed it. And then the Sahaba, they said, why did you do that? He said, they said I, I, this may be the last time that I see the Prophet Sallallahu so this wanted to be the last thing that I potentially do. Right. And so there were, that's, what, that's what that situation was about. And then some Sahaba didn't even get to see the Prophet Sallallahu like Mu'ad ibn Jabal. Mu'ad was sent to Yemen to call the people to Islam, and the Prophet told him, he said, Mu'ad, I may not see you. He said, I, I may not see you next year. And so Mu'ad, he was crying. He had this moment with him, because the Prophet walked him out of Medina, the gates of Medina. And so this was something that was, for him, that was like tough for him to take. And so then he said when he came back from Yemen, the Prophet already was passed away, and then he went to his grave, and then he prayed for him. So uh, this, this was a, a very big event for the uh, Sahaba. Even many of them were saying, Wallahi, we wish we were not even born. This, we were not born to see this day. We wish that our mothers never gave us birth to see this day. They said, we wished we were killed before this day. Right? So, um, uh, you know, this was something, there was this a situation, but it wasn't something that the Sahaba, like, they... They sat on and they were crying for months. Literally even after a year, they got busy and they actually did tabliq. They sent the Prophet his message all over the world. And in a matter of 20, 30 years, they became the superpower, the dominant, the biggest superpower and empire in the entire world. And this is from the barakah of the Prophet and Abu Bakr sent that army of Zayd, Usam bin Zayd, after the Prophet died. And so the concern the Sahaba had were, if you send this army, we may be attacked by rebels. Medina is left defenseless. He said, I don't care if all of the wolves and the people come and they cut me up into pieces 
and all of the people of Medina are slaughtered. I will not leave a command that the Prophet ﷺ wanted to do. I will fulfill this command, send this army. So he sent it. And this was the trust that the Prophet uh, Abu Bakr had, right? Despite all of that, the Prophet said, He said, if there was to be a Prophet after me, it would have been Umar. And you see in the time of Umar, this is where expansion, these were the complete years of, of, of glory days for the Muslims, right? But even then, the Sahaba, they didn't, they didn't really change. Some of them became money, they, they were well, very wealthy, but they never changed. And they will always remind themselves of their day one A1s. They're connected. And so when they see each other, it's a different type of interaction, right? So let's go pray, inshallah. And then come back here to eat. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nasadu na ilaha anta. Nasadu khuruka. Who's this? Okay.